I slap you, I slap you, I slap, slap, slap you. I slapping you, slapping you, silly, cause you disrespected me. It wasn't the slap that actually got me. It was the second time he said, um, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth because the emphasis he placed on the word. Like I, I fell to my knees. I did. Cause it was just like, I mean, we're black. It's just, I felt that. I like it just it just it resonated and it just it made me scared at the same time cuz I mean I get the like the frustration the rage and my only my only thing that I'm just um that I'm truly upset about is the fact that people are all in are all of in black people's business with all these takes and all these um oh respectability politics and there's so much anti-blackness and it's running rampant and then the white feminists are having that's a field it. day lb just... that's what i was gonna say i'm ready for the white woman to write a domestic violence poem about will smith it's happened yeah. it's happened it's already happened i've seen it i'm over it it's yeah. already happened and it's just it's terrible because i just i was telling my brother on the phone i'm just like oh my god they're going to eviscerate him they're going to blow it out of proportion they're already talking about um apparently the lapd was called uh you have to do that though right because if you're the oscars you're a billion dollar corporation you have to you have to make some effort to appease uh the whiteness because the powers that be exactly exactly so i i when i first heard about it i was like okay that's weird and Will definitely, in my opinion, was wrong. But then after hearing about the situation, I saw the perfect storm. The perfect storm of Chris Rock being a comedian, probably not being aware of all the news that's going on, celebrating Will Smith and uh, whatever movie he was in that I still haven't seen because I probably don't want to see it. I probably (laughs) won't see it, but whatever. And then it's like, after that, it's like, uh, from my understanding, the script was like, insert joke here. So he's just rifting and he sees... um, um, Jada. Um, Jada. <laughs> he, sees, <laughs> he sees Jada and is like, uh, okay, make a joke. What joke do I make? Oh, she has a bald head. Let's talk G.I. Jane. And if you take all the context of what life actually is and what is going on with her out of it, it's like a, that's not even a funny joke. It's just like, a, okay, whatever, Chris Rock, keep talking. But then when you put like, okay, she's really going through a horrible disease and a hard time right now on top of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. And on top of the fact that you know they have been a punchline well over a year with all the entanglement stuff, and it's just been building and building, and it just happened to be, I guess, Chris was you know maybe That's the star that. I feel like Will was just like, I can't take it anymore. I can't take this no more. <laughs> Move. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, okay. So, from, in my opinion, I think all the stuff that happened before that, he 100 percent they earned. They literally went to the bank and said, hey, bank, can I have a, uh, a morality check for this bullshit? Because I really would like to go through this bullshit for the next uh, six years, because why not? Let's do this. And the bank was like, oh, yeah, your credit is approved for this bullshit. And so I feel like they really earned that bullshit. That situation where health is a totally separate matter. You know what I'm saying? When you talk about somebody's health, it's that's and I and, and we don't know how severe it is. Yeah, we don't know how bad it really could be bad to the point where like she may be going through a fight of her life for the next few months, you know. So I feel like that is more of the bigger issue to me than it was uh, him. Well, to be fair, it could be both. But 
I think he earned that first part. Like, come on, come on, bro. Like, this is this, it is what it is. Like, do you, do you think that did. they're going to do a did. red table talk about it? That's what everybody is begging for at this point. Somebody said that's when they they should have just pulled out the red table right there on stage. They just Hilarious. it should have just became the red table talk right there on stage. I just um I'm not ready for the, the all the takes we're gonna get for this for like the next two weeks. Um, I'm just very um, it's crazy the way that specifically white Hollywood is running away with this and like mm-hmm. and it's just and it's disgusting it's it's tiring because we've seen it before they're just always it's like it's the it's the glee in in wanting to demonize him when it was just a very human reaction and of course like there are a thousand different ways that this could have gone without a slap i get that but it's just it was just will is and he he apologized i wish he wouldn't apologize I know, but it's there was an official apology, um, and at the end of it, he said he's a work in progress, and I just really appreciate that because just like okay, we all make mistakes. He apologized. I think Chris apologized, and honestly, it was just one of those things where I mean, we've all been to the cookout, y'all. We've all been um, with family. Um, people have been slapped for a lot less, and it's just one of those things where it's like okay, you messed up. I bet you won't do it again. Okay, we're fine. Handshake, whatever. Hug it out. We're good. Because I just feel like this is just one of those, like, it just, culturally, we know what it, we just, we know the context. We get it. And we're not, that's why there's such, like, there's such a big difference between how the Black community is reacting to it and then the white community, particularly the, um, like, white Hollywood and the white elite, like, trying to, like, um, he should have been escorted. He should have been arrested. Uh, one of them, um, Judd Apatow had there to say, Chris Rock could have died. <laughs> I, I saw, I saw somebody say, um, I, I saw, yeah, I saw somebody say, um, oh my God, my child was up watching this. And first of all, um, you already know how I feel. Hashtag SDK. <laughs> but also what was little Timothy doing up at this hour? Doesn't he have school tomorrow today? Now that it's Monday at the time we're recording this. So it's just like they're inserting their children. They're inserting themselves. They're doing all these comparisons that have nothing to do with shit. And all it can do is I just I'm reminded of W.E.B. Dubois. Double consciousness essay. And how Will's. Don't get me started on W.E.B. Dubois. <laughs> I'm just saying it just this reminded And I was saying this to my brother where it's just like. Will Smith is a, he's black and he is um, a man and he's in America and just like, and then all these, especially respectability politics coming from us, we're just like, oh, you let the community down, Will, you embarrassed us. It's just like, when are y'all going to let this, this desire for white approval go? And, and furthermore, just to put the human in it, like, what if that was you in that situation. And let's just say not to put anything negative on Jada. Like, let's just say it was worse than what she Mm -hmm. said to the media. Like, you don't know, like uh, one of my favorite phrases that, uh, or like whatever um, uh, the phrase for it is, what I'm saying is that like, you can't, you know what I'm saying? You can't hold somebody to like a certain reaction. Mm -hmm. You can't control how people react. Yeah. Like, 
you could bump somebody and mm-hmm. they pull out a gun and shoot you. Like, how do you? They could literally have been serially robbed by getting bumped fourteen times in a row, <laughs> and they're like, "Only fifteen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you 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 never know what a person is going through. And I really think a lot of times we overreact and we ignore the human aspect of every situation. But you know, yeah. From talking every about situation. there's this quote I heard a while ago that it's like everyone likes to be mad at traffic about being stuck in traffic, but nobody thinks about how they are a part of traffic. You know what I mean? Like you, you make up the traffic. And I feel like in these situations, everyone always likes to scrutinize how other people are, uh, allow their emotions to control their actions and reactions, but don't remember that like, you know, you bugged out on your, your best friend for scuffing your shoe. (laughs) Like, there yeah. are things because that's the other yeah. thing we don't know what Will and Chris's relationship is like. What if they don't like each other? What if that man has said True. some other things before? Like I don't know. True. What if Rock came at the? Who knows? What did he say? LB, you didn't even have to go there. You didn't have to bring that up. Okay, Twitter is doing enough of that. You didn't have to bring that here. Come on now. Yeah. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Yeah, 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 Hi. I'm sorry, that was lame. That I'm was whack. Okay. Uh, no. You you do it. You do it. I'm not good at this. What is up, podcast people? We are back with another episode of Scary Crit. I think this is episode five. Yes. yes, we're back. We're back. We're we're gonna keep coming back again and again. Every week. And every again. single week. Yes, episode fifty five. How are y'all how are you guys out there? What's what's going on in your neck of the woods? They can't answer. That was a weird thing to say, but cool. I, I mean, they can answer. We just can't hear them. <laughs> they're they're talking to me. They're talking to me. It's people. ESP, love, I like it. I like it. They, they love this. They love when we do this. But anyway, um, we we again, again, have another fantastic guest for you guys. Guest critter. Trademark pink. Debatable my ass. Shut up, LB. <laughs> He's so humble. We love that. We stand humility. But so yes, this guest on this episode is one of my favorite people in the world. We Aww. met a very, very, very long time ago when we were just baby people running around saying poems in North Carolina. <laughs> and here we are all these years later. So everyone, welcome my brother LB to the, to the podcast space. Yay. Cheers. Introduce yourself to the people. What are you up to? Um, I'm on a podcast right now. What about you? Dope. Same. Same Z's. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I love his humor. You're so funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, nothing. I'm just trying to stay out of the white man's way. Um, and uh, oh, yeah. the white man. He is Ooh, beautiful man. in all his ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Just uh, you know, just trying to stay. Stay as less sober and uh, less annoying as possible. Kathy, don't you also have a... I've seen the cat. You have a cat. 
Yes, we do have a cat. Her name is Bozy Lou, named after Chadwick Bozeman and my grandmother Louise. Uh, the cat's name was Louise when we got her, and then uh, Chadwick Bozeman had passed, and so my wife wanted to name her after him. So I was like, "Oh, Bozy's a cute little name." So we call her Bozy Lou, and she destroys everything. That's on brand for story. cats, I think. I was going yeah. to say, well, is Bozy Lou going to make a special appearance? Oh, no, we put her to bed. Oh. Um, she has a bedtime at 8.30. Oh, okay. Well. Damn, Rassie, right. Rassie. <laughs> her beauty sleep. Um, so, LB, what does, I'm so curious, what does LB stand for? Is this like a code name? What are we doing here? So I think I have at least seven jokes about what LB stands for, but I'll be honest. So, LB, LB stands for um, Lyrically Blessed. Uh, as a poet, that is one of the stage names that I, uh, I took upon myself. And then I realized that I was trash. So I was like, I probably shouldn't go by lyrically blessed because the people will hear me and expect something good and it'd be bad. And they'd be like, nah, you just lyrical. The man uh, that just called himself trash like LB. is also like a two-time national champion. No, not stop it. I've never won that. The lies. I've won one regional competition and made uh, final stage three other times and made semifinals at Nats. Two times. And also coached a collegiate team to a championship. <gasps> oh. That's because you were on the team. That's because you were the coach. That's because you were you were not on the team just because I was a coach. Yes, I was. <laughs> you were a liar. You were a liar. <laughs> I love this. Oh. So okay, well, okay. Now since you brought it up, give us give us just one LB joke for the people. Oh, uh, so I said LB stands for my favorite store, Lane Bryant, because that's where I can only find blouses that I adore. Okay. We love a good blouse. Shut up, Jared. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hard to find blouses for these shoulders. You know, they're just so broad, you know? Okay. This is is the the episode we're going to have. Great. Good. I know the standard. I know where we are. This is the baseline. Um, I haven't started drinking yet, so this is awesome. (laughs) All right. Should we jump into Negronomicon, Mel? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So um, there were a lot there. For the past two weeks, there have been a lot of good releases. It's been really insane. Good releases Uh, with very bad reviews by white people. Um, which which ones are you referring to? Turning Red had terrible reviews written by white people, and Everything Everywhere All at Once had terrible reviews written by white people. Are you serious about that last one? There was a headline that said, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is nothing. All at once. <laughs> and everybody was like, what is this? I need their address. I'm pulling up tonight. <laughs> Cause that is so rude. Like, okay. So I, I was lucky enough and this, this never happens to me, Mel, you know me, you know how on top of these things I am. I had no idea that for one, um, everything everywhere all at once was not a wide release. And two, that, um, tickets were already out for it for New York. So I found this out on Thursday And for my favorite theater, which is like the Lincoln Center AMC 13 or -hmm. Lincoln Square AMC, um, they were doing IMAX showing. It was at 630. And not only that, it was a Q&A session. 
with the the directors and writers at the end, the Daniels, or Daniels. And I was like, and I found this out on Thursday, and the movie was coming out on Friday. And I'm just like, I was, oh my God, I was cursing myself over and over. But I'm like, okay. And there were still seats available, but you know me. Jared is so OCD about this stupid seat. It it's has not, to be the dead center. I'm sorry. I know it's, it's not stupid. I know it's not stupid, but sometimes it's hard going to the movies with you when the seat is not available because you don't want to go. <laughs> it's not. It's got to be like the one in the dead center in the middle row, like right here. It's not. It's <laughs> and not, if it's not that seat, the whole movie, he's complaining about how he's not in his seat. It's not OCD, okay, Mel? It is the principle. I'm sorry. Okay? It's the about the experience. It's about the principle. Especially for IMAX or a screen that big, I need to be in the center because I need to see it. I need to feel it. So I did not get the center seat in this one. Um, and it, the theater was practically full. The only seats that were left were kind of like um, like on the very end of the rows where I would mm-hmm. be looking at the screen from an angle and I refused. So I was like, maybe for on some way, somehow a seat will become available in like this, this circle that I've outlined mm-hmm. of like good where it's not centered, but it's near there, like mm-hmm. maybe seven seats away from my seat. And I don't know how it happened, but one of them opened up. And I just scooped it. So I scooped it up, and I was in there. Um, the movie was so phenomenal. Um, it is. It's so wacky. It is so ambitious. It is crazy. It is insanely ambitious. And the fact that it's an indie, and it's like this the scale of it. They they had a twenty five million dollar budget, but it just like they. There was just so much love. Get out. <laughs> yeah. I hate that. I want was, $25 million. <laughs> I mean, I do too. But there was like, but there was just so much like, <laughs> like art and love in every frame. And um, oh, I just want to know the behind the scenes for everything. But the movie was an experience. I loved it so much. I think it's so important to see because during the Q&A, um, Dan Kwan had said that uh, for him, the movie was about um, finding each other in the chaos. And I think that's just such a beautiful message for everyone right now. But it's just, it it really is a perfect showcase of why we love going to the movies, um, why movies exist, like what movies can be and do. Um, everybody does a phenomenal job. Michelle... Uh, I just he the Daniel Daniel said that um they did this film in a way where they could push all the actors to like their their full potential because they didn't feel they had a they had a chance in like their other works to do that yet so they kind of gave them that that space to do so and they knocked it out of the park. Um, That's interesting. It it, it opened. It. it opens wide, I think, on the eighth, like everywhere. So if you guys please go see it if you, if you are comfortable going to the theater. I just, I can't say enough positive things about it, except that this deserves to be seen in a theater. And it's just, uh, it would, God, I can't put it into words. I'll have to write a review someday, but it's just so good. Someday, um, we have a whole website. You can write a review tomorrow. Oh, this is true. Look at her pressure on me, y'all. Just Under me. pressure. Do, 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 do. Oh my God, LB help! <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, you guys, you guys should definitely see it. Like, because we're all like in the the multiverse like hype right now. With you know, with starting with No Way Home, and then we got Doctor Strange coming in May, 
and but this one is just a very unique take on like that that theme or that genre so you guys should really check it out a24 knocked it out of the park again they just uh like i really wish i was in the pitch meeting for this one because they said it was easy to pitch Nothing was is just, easy to pitch. That's a lie. No, because they described the genre was like a, a um like a sci-fi action film. Mm-hmm. And A24 I don't think has that yet. So they were just like, mm-hmm. sure. And then um when they actually wrote this screenplay and were trying to convince of them like the different kind of universes, like the one with the hot dog fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody was like <laughs> like, you know, there's gonna be some pushback, but they have to if if you have to if if you can if it's enough for you you have to make it be enough for other people you can people. You dream have to, it you can do it yes you have to convince them so that's what they were able to do and it's just i really can't wait for the um when it comes out on like home media because i cannot wait for all the behind the scenes i need the steelbook for this so yeah please guys go see that one um i also saw <clears throat> the lost city um with sandra bullock and um Channing Tatum Tatum and Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe makes a a really good, like, um, insane villain. I need to see him in more campy roles like that. It was, and it was a really fun movie. It's like a love letter to the people who love, like, those, uh, like, Nora Roberts, sappy, steamy romance novels. Channing and uh, Sandra actually had really good chemistry. And it was just a really fun, hilarious um, escapism movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it was really Mm -hmm. fun. Um, and really fun to see in a theater. You know what was cute that I watched? Turning what? Red. Have y'all watched that yet? Oh, I see. I watched that after I got home from Everything Everywhere all at once. Oh my god! The fact that it was set in 2002, I thought was so unique because boy bands were all the rage back then. They took all the best parts of boy bands and mushed them into one band and it's great it's called four town but there's five members (laughs) i don't know why that tickles me but it does not mel like fangirling over four town i want a shirt i want a shirt so bad i downloaded (laughs) that they made a whole album like the four town people have an album it's on spotify i downloaded it i am obsessed oh my god mel is hype she's gonna have the posters i would have been yep Yep, I'd have been one of the people with the little red panda shirts. I'm buying it. It's a really good movie, LB. It's on Disney Plus. Um, it's it's definitely on the list to check out. It's and the animation was great because it's like um, they did a lot of uh, I know they had a lot of um anime inspiration and references yeah. with like the expressions and the it was it was very it was very fun it was very fun and I, and I loved the um how it's about you know like family traditions and mothers and daughters that seems to be like a trend for disney lately yeah um a they good have one to shed the stigma that they hate women that they hate moms well, and i oh they mel, mel. oh what I, disney haven't they been doing that since uh brave right but they did brave and everyone hated brave I love, I love Ray. That's so good. Yeah. But everybody's yeah. like, nobody wants to see this. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Brave is great. Brave was yeah. a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. that was the Necronomicon, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that was quite a funny one. <laughs> All right, time for the crit. Time for the crit. Yeah, I was gonna say, I need you. I need some more enthusiasm. Um. <clears throat> try again <laughs> um 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, folks, hey. boys and girls. Thank you, LV. You got it. It is time for Scary Crit. <laughs> are, Let's do it. are you ready? You hear me trying to make my voice all deep for you. I just do that for you, okay? That doesn't happen. I have to I have to try. I have to bounce it up. But anyway, um, we're doing for for our scary crit today, we are throwing it back to the year 2005, which I still cannot believe was 17 whole years ago. My God, today. Um, to talk about a a British horror film written and directed by Neil Marshall called The Descent. Um, this film came out when i was in middle school um it was released in 2005 but i didn't see it until 2006 when did you guys first see this film i don't remember i probably saw it the year it came out um that was a very dark time in my life where um i had a very nice internet connection where i would just pretty much every single movie regardless of whether i wanted to see it or not and uh just because you could just because you could yeah just because i could um i had a secret internal uh um uh (laughs) competition with myself to see if i could have every single movie uh ever uh um, filmed that year but i made a devout once i uh get i had gainful employment i would never movie again so i I literally purchased this movie to watch it um because Forgot how good it was, actually. Um, Upstanding uh, citizen. Outside of the first 15 Atonement. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I was on, this is back when, you know, I used to be on Wikipedia all the time at school, just reading on films, reading up on films. It was like one of my favorite things to do. And I somehow ran across this one. Um, and one of one of my friends at school had it on DVD, so um, I asked if he could bring it so I could borrow it. And um, I took it home, and I was watching it in broad daylight, like one one afternoon after school, broad daylight. Sun is still out; it is like all the sun in the room, and it gets to the scene in like the boneyard, like the first jump scare. Well, no, mm-hmm. not the first jump scare, but the jump scare. When I tell you, I leapt off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> and screamed my damn self like i have never had a horror movie scare me like that in broad daylight since it just it threw it, it threw me so off guard um and i haven't forgot about it since again it's been like um well since i saw it in 2006 it's been like 16 years now but it's been such a long time but that always stuck with me and i love this movie for many reasons but um it's just it worked. It's very well done. Because this also was around the time where there were like, counting this one, weren't there like three um, like cave horror yeah. movies? It was it was The Descent, The Cave, and what was the last one? Was it uh, As Above Below? Was no, that was, that was 2000, uh, 14. that was 2014. So that came way oh, after. Awesome. There was another one where they're in a cave. But the Descent in the Cave came out the same year because both were 05, but I feel like there was another one that I'm forgetting that we'll probably remember, but the cave had Morris Chestnut in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also and also Lena Headey. That's crazy to think about. That's just so crazy to think about. Um, no one remembers you till you do something memorable. Uh, you Wait, you didn't like the cave, LB? No. Oh, the cave was so awful. It well, so I saw the cave after seeing uh, the descent. I think 
the so the cave is um it is like a watered down version of what that movie should have been in my opinion mm. and like it, it was such very a like budget too yeah yeah it, it um oh that's what it reminded me of it reminds me of when someone has a great concept like um Oh my God, what the hell was that movie? So there's a movie about like, there's a hunting on a ship and there's like gold on the ship and they try to go take the gold. Um, Watch it be like the hunting ship. Ghost ship? No, not that was one. Oh my there wasn't any gold in ghost ship, was there? Oh my gosh. Now I'm Googling the ghost ship. <laughs> <laughs> you said they were on a ship and there was gold. There was gold. It was ghost ship. Really? First one in my life. Huh. Um, but yeah, like that's a like the concept of the movie I thought was great. But like after it's like the writers after about forty five minutes to an hour were like, you know what, I quit, <laughs> and then they went, <laughs> in turn, let's try to figure out how we want to make this work. Uh, yeah, let's just end it. Okay, uh, yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Um, so it, it just feel like yeah, like they have a bigger budget and they don't do it justice. And the cave was like what not to do and the descent was what to do yeah and it just goes to show you that like a big budget isn't always everything yeah but you know what i've learned too sometimes sometimes the budget is because like oh if we want morris chestnut morris chestnut wants ten thousand more dollars and also he has four assistants and also he wants fiji water and and Bananas from Paraguay at all times. <laughs> and that increases the, I don't know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so we go from $15 million to 25 from one person. Oh, wow. That's nasty. I, it's funny because I'm always weary of like certain movies when I see people like for a good horror movie to me, I don't want to know anybody in the cast that is like above like a a sea level because mm-hmm. to me it's like oh you have a name in the cast you're trying to literally get people to be like oh look it's nicholas cage i like nicholas cage uh, watch this nicholas cage movie. And we found that out about um what's the movie with usher uh, the faculty yes the faculty yes. they put him in it and all up in the things and it cut him out ruined ruined <laughs> <laughs> that whole ad campaign around that band and the only other black person in that movie and cut them out. That's how they do. Um, and the cave also was out of the two, the cave was actually shot in a real cave system. I thought that was a cool fact. But um, hmm. the descent was like, you know, um, a studio set and everything like that. Um, but yeah, the descent, so. Uh, directed and written by Neil Marshall, um, and it was starring um, as Sarah. It was starring Shauna McDonald. Uh, Juno Kaplan was played by Natalie Mendoza. Music was by David Julian, and I, I think the score is pretty memorable uh, to me because it just sticks out. And there was also, did you guys pick this up? Um, in certain scenes in the film. And the one I can remember the most is where they see the cave paintings and they realize there's like two exits. Um, mm-hmm. The theme kind of, it is very reminiscent in that scene of the theme from the thing with that dun dun. Mm-hmm. 
dun dun. Oh. Like if you guys go back and watch it and listen to it, let me let me know if like you you hear that because I did. I'm just like this sounds that dun dun sounds very much like the thing. I'm wondering if that was like intentional the way they're trying to build suspense. Um, but the plot is a year after a severe emotional trauma, Sarah goes to North Carolina to spend North Carolina. That was North Carolina. Yep. Yep. I wow. I thought they were like, wow. No, no, I didn't even think they were in America. Why go to therapy when you can go to North Carolina? Uh, 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 The therapist where you can go in a cave with your friends. Great. Exactly. This isn't Borum Caverns, but anyway. To spend some time exploring caves with our friends. After descending underground, the women find strange cave paintings and evidence of an earlier expedition. Then they learn they are not alone. Underground predators inhabit the crevices and they have a taste for human flesh. Ooh. Yeah, okay. Well, I tried to jazz it up. <laughs> um, but, I mean... That that synopsis is is pretty good, but they leave out the fact you know they got trapped in there, and mm-hmm. that you know what I what I really appreciate about the descent is, um, you can clear you can kind of very clearly, um, pinpoint um when and where each act starts, like Act One, Act Two, Act Three. Yeah. But I just mm-hmm. I really enjoy the build up though for it. Yes. It's very, it, it, it's very, like the pacing is very well done, um, especially once they, because it, it starts off with with really small stuff like a uh, Juno putting the book, like leaving the book in the car, and how the camera focuses on um, the car, then locking up the cars. Like this is the last time you guys are gonna see it, um, and that, and this is like a blink and you'll miss it scene. Sarah found four bloody like finger indentations in the cave wall once they all like got down there i don't i don't remember seeing that before because maybe i wasn't like watching watching like i am now Mm -hmm. but i was just like and that doesn't that doesn't raise any eyebrows you know it was just like this little stuff that just kept like little drops in the water that just kept happening and i'm just and i love when movies do that to build tension um but i think that that's a now that you said it was british it stands out in my mind as very obvious because it gives me 28 days later vibes of the small mm. nuances in the film that you kind of have to pick up on to kind of realize that you're in danger you know what i mean yeah and they they didn't because they weren't they weren't they weren't they weren't realizing the severity of the situation even before the the cave had collapsed. Because I think Sarah kept um, hearing things. And mm-hmm. the part after the cave collapsed, when Sarah, it was like, it wasn't a jump scare. But it was just one of, again, you blink and you miss it. It's it's right there against the wall. It's, mm-hmm. and, you, and you can kind of hear it. And then the light goes away. And when it goes back, it's gone. Why did Sarah say nothing? Why didn't she say anything? Well, it's funny. But it's funny that you say that because I was thinking the same thing. But if you remember, um, Sarah the night previously was having all these dreams yeah. and she had a mental thing, but she was seeing things, which is why, like, 
I think she was kind of battling with herself. Am I seeing things? Is this real? Mm-hmm. Am I still fighting with depression and yeah, stuff? Wait. So I think it was a brilliant, like little, like little nod to that to kind of include her, well, to make it be her who was actually seeing and experiencing these things yep. rather than somebody else. Because if it would, because if it was anyone else, then because they wouldn't have been dealing or you know saddled with the same trauma, so they wouldn't be mm-hmm. having like these waking nightmare so that yeah that's a very that's an interesting perspective to put things in because Mm -hmm. i just feel like yeah you're right if it was any of the other girls they would have definitely said something because it's like this that was what was that and we're and we're trapped in here so uh but you know what i think i think that's the the other cool thing about this film (sighs) Is because I think it it plays on all of the preconceived notions of how society tells you that a group of women would treat each other. Mm-hmm. Because like I think a good film to compare this to is The Ritual. I don't know if y'all have ever seen it. That was a good one. <clears throat> it's about these uh, these four men the four guys in the woods. and they go yeah, in the woods. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like it's it's. I think you can compare how the groups treated each other in these times of like extreme violence and like being confronted with death or what and secrets and like all the stuff, because it's all the same. I don't think that this group of women, except for Juno, (laughs) where it was like petty or conniving or did all the things that you would expect a group of women to do to each other, especially under extreme duress. Like for the most part, they worked as a unit to try to escape. Yeah, there was in there, and that and that's um, something that was also unique about this movie: the fact that it was like an all women led cast, um, mm-hmm. and because if not to again to but, but to compare it to like you know the cave that was a mixed cast. There were both men and women in there, and then with the descent, it was six women, and I don't we don't really we don't see that too much in horror. That's a thing we do. And J-Horror, it's a Japanese trope to have a group of six women go off on an adventure. Rehouse. That was six women. That was six girls. Hmm. What about in British and American horror, though? No, but I think that's that's the... I think that... I. (laughs) What do we say about poems? Whatever you say is about is what it's about, I think. (laughs) That my man was, like, dipping into other cultures for a minute and making this, like, adventurous situation. Because that's what this reminds me of. This reminds me a lot of House. Why? <laughs> because it's this group of women who were friends, right? Who go into a situation not knowing the complete lay of the land and then start getting killed off one by one. Mm-hmm. You know, and like there's the there's the girl that tries to, to keep everything together. There's the one that's kind of running off on their own. Everybody kind of has a trope that either but- helps them or hurts them in different situations depending on what's going on. I actually really enjoyed their tropes. I mean, you had, I mean, you have Sarah, who's like the recovering trauma survivor. Juno was like the leader. Sam was the youngest and, you know, like the student doctor. So she's very like, um, if this were a video game, she would be the, um, the, is you call those mages? Yeah. Okay. So she would be the mage. Exactly. Um, Beth um, was Sarah's confidant and like the voice of reason. Um, Becca was like the, I got like a big like uh, maternal vibe from her, very orderly by the book. That was the one who was like had the gu- had the guidebook almost memorized and everything. Mm-hmm. And she she's also Sam and her are sisters, so she was Sam's big sister. 
And then you have Holly, who is like, you know, the brash, adventurous, um, bold type, who, who mm-hmm. was the one who was like kind of running off on her own. Um, yeah. And I just, I, I just, I really enjoyed all those different dynamics um, in one space, but also how they were working um, together um, uh, until, you know, Juno, like, well, they broke apart, but then Juno was like, you know, it happened twice, though. Did you guys notice that? It was with um, both Beth and then uh, Becca. She could have started like attacking the creature that was like mm-hmm. g- getting into um, Becca's stomach, but she just she let it happen. Just... Well, I don't know. <laughs> you you don't think like, she could have? Once uh, once somebody's eating your torso, I think you're pretty much either going to bleed out or you know. Uh... You're gonna become uh, recycled uh, earth matter, essentially. Uh, yeah. So, so the, it, it's funny because like they made it not to skip to the end, but I, I would just say I kind of, I kind of feel some kind of way about how they did Juno at the end. That's that's kind of like, but but I, I do believe in both situations. She was put in a. Um, the writers did a brilliant job mm-hmm. at putting her in situations where you as the viewer is either going to take one side yeah. or the other. Yep. Yeah. You know, you're either going to be on her side and be like, well, she didn't really have a chance or on the side of she should have, you know, smacked Chris Rock, you know? <laughs> I mean, she, Hey, she, she, she slept with Sarah's man and she essentially murdered um, their friend Beth because it was one thing to, like you know, accidentally stabbed her throat with the with the what you the the pickaxe. What is yeah pickaxe? Yeah, with the, pickaxe. you know with the pickaxe. But then it was another thing to just leave her there to die. Okay, hold on. She's All reaching right, wait out a for you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because here's where <laughs> LB has a point. Because if I don't stabbed you fatally, I I can't no, fix it. There's nothing on. I can. <laughs> So you just so you just gonna walk away? What am I gonna, supposed to do, Jared? You just, you just gonna Paula Deanda walk away? From what me? am I supposed to do, Jared? Hoist you on my back you and, and bring a dead body with me? You should have went through her pockets and made sure you got all her necessary uh, supplies and make sure you survived in that situation. Yeah, because she's a goner. Yeah, you know, <sighs> because like, unless you're gonna stick your fingers in the holes, the thing to stop the when a Juno did wrong is that she didn't make sure she was dead <laughs> she should have killed the killer <laughs> well i mean to be fair to be fair to be fair in the wild west um when the horse breaks its leg they normally just shoot and kill the horse to stop it from suffering put it out of your misery so, the only yeah. thing am i on this recording <laughs> with right now police <laughs> security <laughs> Get a therapist in here. Help! Police! Help! Help! Police! Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. If we went camping and we fell in a cave and we found out that there were cannibal monsters in a cave and I accidentally Mm -hmm. stabbed you in the face, all I can do is leave you there to get eaten. Would you rather be eaten alive or do you want to just die right now? Are you gonna say sorry for stabbing me in the face? No. Okay, so I'm hunting your ass. That's it. That's all. What? You survived this. Because why? I'm coming with you. Up behind me. You know what's happening. Point. 
That's a great point. Announce you can't yourself. Be like, oh. Behind. Announce yourself. <laughs> Excuse me. I see you killing monsters that don't want to get stabbed. Can you, uh, I'm right behind you, by the way. I'm on your <laughs> six. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> behind. Coming okay, through. Well- I mean, well, okay, Juno was in, like, primal fight mode, Beth, uh, oh, not to, I'm not blaming her for her own, I'm not gonna do that, Beth didn't, I mean, maybe it was just too quick to say anything to make her presence known, but Juno was just, you know, she was on one, and things happened, but it was her actions afterwards that just really made me, like, what could she have done? Because she can't say- I'm sorry, Beth, I I can't, I'm I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm gonna try to help- Keep it hot. Okay, I apologize to Beth and Beth dies. Now everyone else in this group who already don't fuck with me have come to see me hovering over Beth's body with the murder weapon in my hand. I can't apologize to y'all. It was an accident. Or worse than that, you apologize to Beth and then one of those creepy uh, um, monsters jump on your back. And And now I'm dead too. Now we're both dead. What's the point of us both being dead? Only one... Okay, two out I of guess, two, one out of two ain't bad. I'm just okay, saying. Okay, okay. I guess morality has no room here when crawlers and you know are involved. So, Yo, LB will tell you back in the day when we were talking about like, oh, in a zombie apocalypse, what would we do? Da 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 da. I'm always team no new friends. If we are driving and there is a family who's like, we need help, I'm gonna shoot them all and we're gonna walk away. Well, shit. <laughs> Wasting bullets. The revolution. What are you talking about? Copy. We're not wasting bullets. And the rest of them are afraid and they're running. No, but see, I'm not shooting one because I don't need revenge. I don't need that storyline in my life. I don't want the people I left behind to come hunt me down and be like, you killed my brother. Nope. Or either you all die or we or you didn't need to hide. That's that's my team. Well, someone doesn't like drama. You know what? Um, I just I don't know what happened right now. I just know <laughs> if if the world starts to end. I, if I'm not, if I'd rather be with y'all than against y'all, that's all I got because y'all not gonna fit, y'all not gonna get me, okay? We we're friends, okay? But if you just gonna leave me to die, well, shit. Um, I leave you to die you on purpose. You we kill you. Right. It's a difference with love. With love and, and my heart. Yeah, and the knife, both love in one hand, the knife in the other. You know, I would say I have love for y'all. I just don't have it on me right now. We're gonna move, we're gonna move on through. We're gonna move on through. Um, so since we since we brought up the the crawlers, the the creatures of this creature feature, what did y'all think about like their design and like their um? Because they were the director um, Neil was saying that he he because he to him personally, I'm paraphrasing here. He thinks that um nothing is scarier than like um humans like humans are like the real monsters so instead of making them like some kind of you know fantastical creatures why not use like humans as the base and then have them be like evolved into like these these creatures like so what did you guys think about like their design and everything like i personally loved it i love the playoff nosferatu's the only thing I would have changed oh, would have made good, the that's ears good, that's good, that's good. a bit bigger because if they're in the cave and they're using sound, fucking like bigger ears. But other than that, like I love when movies don't try to explain themselves. Yes, like just let the creepy. To me, the craziest thing and the scariest thing is to not know why. Yes. So to say that these things are there and killing people, 
and they're just doing that. It's, 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 that's the terrifying part. You know, um, I love how they made the, uh, the creatures, uh, like in a lot of horror movies, they'll have, oh my gosh, the first time you see this thing, it's throwing bricks and picking up buildings. And next time you see it, you get killed by a shotgun. Mm-hmm. This movie, they were very consistent in like the, uh, the strength and like the dexterity of these creatures. So it made it like pretty much a fair fight. Um, yeah. So uh, I loved it. I love the creatures. Same. Because I also appreciate that. I don't like, we never really fully saw it. I don't think. Like, we saw the silhouette of, like, a full body. We saw them crawling around. It was very alien to me. You got glimpses mm-hmm. of what, what you think it is, and it allowed for my brain to fill in the rest of the pieces with stuff that I think is scary, right? And it made it terrifying. I love how you said alien, because that scene, that same scene where they found the cave paintings at the two exits, the last shot before we leave that scene is, like, it's the, it's the creature... You don't, but it's like a almost like a silhouette shot, and it's like drooling, like it just yep. it bears yes. the teeth a little bit. And, that was such a good shot because it's just like that's when the viewer knows, like we are in danger right yep. now. And it's and I love that they played with the spatial awareness. Yeah, you never knew where Is it, close? it was. Is it far. And then when we found yeah. out that there was more than one, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh god, where? Of course, there's more than one. It's like. Did you notice the baby one? Yeah. The, there was the like a baby one. Yeah, the one oh, that she, the one that she, oh, the one that she um killed in like the 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 what did I call that like the bone hoard, and the mother yeah, came after the, it. I remember that part, but I, I was <laughs> I was uh so there's one scene where she falls into like that um that big uh puddle of um of red Kool Aid with the uh, the jello pudding <laughs> on top. Like the monster that jumps on her back has like hair, and at yeah. first I thought I thought it was Juno when I first saw it. I was like, "Oh yeah, nah, she crazy." <laughs> and then I realized that oh, they actually have genders, mm-hmm. and so they're trying to. I thought that was the first nod to let me know that there was like way more. Yeah, so it was kind of cool, Neil, subtle. That Marshall Marshall called it um, a colony. So he mm-hmm. was saying that yeah, there's um, and I I didn't realize it until today that the one that jumped on. Sarah's back was a um was a child. I think that was like a child one. Mm. And then the one that came after it with the long hair, that was the mother. Mm. That's how that's how I viewed it. Um But I I like that scene too, and I'm glad that you brought it up because it also gave it it made them more real. Yeah. Because there's they like care about each other, there. right? Yeah, there's, there's a like system, a system, there's a unit, there's like a family situation yeah. happening. And now what does that mean on a yeah. larger scale, right? Because especially when you start thinking like outside of this little cave, how deep cave systems go. Yeah. So how yeah. many different colonies of these things exist, right? Yeah. And then we've all yeah. seen like the we get lost in the woods and die movies. So now, mm-hmm. how many other times is this happening? How many other groups yeah. of cave cave divers and hikers or whatever are getting eaten by these things? Or have or have become yeah because become, right they they were saying that when they found the when they found it and again with the buildup when they when they found the old equipment like that um um that that that. Um, I don't even know what they're called because I don't cave, but like that hook thing that they put the clip in. Is it um, carab- it, oh wait, the spike thing or the carabiner? Yeah, yeah. And she was saying that um, this equipment is like 
at least um, 100 years old. Like whoever is whoever was using it is not like they're not down here anymore or like there's no way. And if those were the, if they were the first ones and they and they they didn't make it out or if they got down there and marked the route and those creatures are already down there it, you're, again it's just like what is the lore here like how deep yeah. how deep does it go um and uh, i think a mark of good storytelling at least what i've been taught in classes and stuff is you kind of throw the reader or in this case the viewer kind of in, right into the middle of the action and then you just kind of just pick it up as you go and with this one it threw the girls into this colony that has been there for a very long time. Cause remember this was to them, it was an undiscovered cave system and it was undiscovered because apparently no one had, you know, if they gone inside, they had never made it out. Can we talk mm-hmm. about that for a second? Because do you understand that when we were down, if we were down in the caves and we had been now put in this life or death situation. And then I found out that Juno done switched our location. I'd have killed her right then and there. You die. So- you die today. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, so the reality of it is, I wouldn't have killed her right then and there. Um, I would have waited right until we were like, "Oh my god, is that the exit? That is amazing!" Pickaxe <laughs> 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 right in the neck. <laughs> you won't be making it. Roll credits. Damn. No, you ain't friends. Wait, we ain't like, friends. We not friends. No. No, we're not friends. Had sex with my husband. Child might not be mine. Well, actually, no, that's not how it works. Had sex with my husband. <laughs> it's the other way. Maury? <laughs> but it was it was crazy because like as a as a woman, right? And like also as a black person, I feel. If I'm going someplace, I always drop somebody a pin. Everybody, yeah. like, I'm going to tell at least two people where I'm going, right? And it's mm-hmm. just, it was so unsafe to just not tell anybody in the group that we not at the agreed upon location. The audacity of, of the caucasity. Because <laughs> they, put, they put in, like, the plan for the right place but they're not in the right place so it's just they're just yeah. gonna go missing they're just gonna disappear oh my god it reminds me of the ruins because <laughs> yeah. they didn't tell they didn't yeah. tell anybody where they were going oh my god but then like could you also imagine like if you were really into like because i guess cave diving is a thing people do i don't know if you like studied maps and shit and like looked up rocks or whatever you do to prepare for that and then you in a whole new system I'd have been mad. First of all, I'd have been mad you wasted my time. I studied. I prepared for this moment. Yeah. It's all for nothing. I will say, though, I do appreciate that uh, that writing style uh, that they use in this movie. Like, I love when movies have, like, different layers of tragedy that is happening, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, oh, okay, look, we're now we're lost. Like, oh, wait, no. There's some inside drama that's also circulating about uh, did you know do the Uno with your husband? Uh, This also, oh, wait, this isn't a cave we thought we were in. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? So it's like one thing after the other. And I think that that made it easier for me to not care about the backstory. Most of the time, I enjoyed caring about the characters. But now it was more so about caring about them juggling 
all these different aspects of like trying to survive, trying to figure out where the hell we are, trying to figure out what the hell is hunting us, trying to figure out, do we have enough rope? Trying to figure out, oh, well, will our flashlights last long enough? Um, I think they did a great job. Yeah, yeah that, that's something that I also wanted to say, that this movie is a lot of different genres at one time um, in several instances, but also it's like specifically one genre at like one time like you know there, there's a drama element um there's the um you know of course horror thriller element but then i would say in the, in the third act specifically the film becomes a survival horror movie because mm-hmm. sarah and juno are trying to make it out of there alive and like the whole fight the whole fight scene against them and like those um i think there were like three four crawlers um this is be- this is before um Sarah um picked um Juno. <laughs> and it's just and it, it was just such a shift because it really became like, okay, this is they're fighting to the death right now. Um and how there were these um character transformations, like especially with Sarah, she had the biggest arc to me because she came from like this this fragile, sad little flower to like this this angry primal woman. But I hated it. You want to know why? Because it's like, you know how we fix trauma? With more trauma! <laughs> Put her yeah, in the I grinder again. Yeah. Stuck in a depression funk? You know how to fix that? Violence! <laughs> <laughs> Missing your dead family? You know how to fix that? Yeah. The threat of death! <laughs> Have fun! <Yeah>. The gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my thing is... in. Also, what is the, what is, is there a metaphor to be said or what is being said for this transformation happening to and for Sarah after she has been like baptized in like this pool of blood? It was very Carrie-esque to me, Mm -hmm. like seeing her like rise up out and like that shot of her holding the torch before she like screams i'm just saying like what is because what is this imagery of women in horror covered from head to toe in blood and like it being linked to their survival or them overcoming like yeah that's a good point well it's an awakening right because like Carrie Uh, specifically is is the the monstrous feminine as woman is witch and in that whole film we're like sex and and menstruation and everything that like makes you a woman or whatever is 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 presented as as um evil and not pure and unvirtuous so the Mm -hmm. moment that carrie gets the pig blood poured on her and she like owns her power and kills everyone is her like sexual awakening and her becoming a woman and that's all what that stuff is like in theory this is what we're saying right this is different because Sarah, Sarah. Mm-hmm. was already mm-hmm. a woman. Yeah. You know what I mean? She had done all of those things. She had a marriage. She had a kid, whatever. And then lost it all. So is this like the reawakening of herself? Is this the reawakening of her womanhood? Is this... I mean, because there's, there's so many ways that you can look at it. I don't know necessarily which perspective that you saw, or or is that stupid? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It was funny because to me, it's like after that scene, she became weird because it's like now she's all of a sudden Rambo. Yeah. Yeah. All these attack moves. And not only that, but she knows how to 
she smirks and then stabs uh, Juno in the leg. Yeah, <laughs> like reverse Uno. <laughs> <laughs> But I think nice. I think a part of that is because it was directed by a man. You know what I mean? Because I think to understand that the transformational moment, you have to understand the transformational moment. And if you have just seen Carrie and know that Carrie gets covered in blood and then kills everybody, then it makes sense of, okay, cool. Sarah's going to come out of the blood and then all of a sudden we're going to be like a badass. Because it matches visually but it doesn't match contextually what's happening. Mm. Yeah. Cause yeah, it was such a stark transformation. Cause she was like, she was a different person after she submerged. I mean, before that she had, she had mercy killed um, Beth. She basically did what, what y'all said Juno should have did. Finished the job and then got attacked and then, but yeah. And then survived and then linked up with Juno and all this stuff. So, Ish. Hmm. Oh, you, you had something? No, you said that reminded me of like one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Like when she first falls down into the bone pit and she has only the camera to see with and her like looking at the creatures through like the uh, the infrared. That shit was fine. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, no, no. That was, and this was like, this was before um, like the rebirth of uh, like found footage because there was there was like a lull between i want to say like um like the days of like wreck and paranormal activity and um the blair witch project is this another movie where the camera don't be camera in what you mean we we did anaconda last week and the plot of anaconda is a documentary crew goes out into the anaconda right and i was like oh that is the worst DP ever because he didn't film anything. Like my guy like held his camera twice and we have no footage. And I'm just like, was the they camera were, on? They Did were they filming. Film they were filming when they when they first got down there, when they first got in like that big cavern and they had to light up the flares, they were filming. Um but I think after, you know, everything caved in, they stopped unless they were using it to like see. That's so stupid. Yeah. I think they had one scene afterward when it was trying to uh, traverse that that big um, whatever that hole was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were using it then, uh, but after that, yeah, they only used it to see. Yeah, I'm uh, telling y'all now, forever in a life or death situation, and I have a camera. It's just gonna be on. But they, but it did come back. But it did. But it did. It We're did. gonna go anyway. Might as well have it for posterity. But hey, it did. It did um, come into play in the sequel. I don't really remember the sequel. sequel. Yeah, there's a sequel. I feel like I watched it and it was awful. It it was not as good as this one. It was not as good as this one. Um, even though it did, it did have both Sarah and Juno in it. Still, it just it wasn't as it wasn't as good. Um, and I think the descent definitely does work as a standalone film. Um, I while I did appreciate the fact that it had a sequel, I do believe it didn't necessarily need one. Um, mm-hmm. And because it let's let's get into the ending. The are the endings of this film? Yes, yes. Um, when I when I saw this in you know two thousand six, um, with it being ha- with it with me having seen like the American version. 
the ending was different than the original British version because apparently, and this is so crazy to me, American audiences found it too depressing. Exactly. So they shortened <laughs> it um, because how the how the ending um, is in the original in 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 Britain for for the British audiences is after Sarah makes it out of the cave and you know she's in the car and she sees. Uh, like the dead, she hallucinates the dead June on the car and she screams. It actually cuts back to her waking up still in the cave. There's no daylight though. And she is hallucinating seeing her daughter with the birthday cake. That has been like a, a reoccurring um, shot or scene yeah. briefly in the film that just kept mm-hmm. coming back. Um, and it's because, like, you know, it was, it was going to be her daughter's, um, birthday before she died and the camera does this thing where it goes to her daughter then it goes back to sarah then it pulls out and it just showing that sarah is actually staring at nothing but her um her torch that is lit and and the shot just keeps getting wider as you hear more and more of the crawlers like around her almost like they're closing in um and it's just and i guess the american people (laughs) found it too depressing because it means that Sarah didn't make it out. Like there's there's no survivors. Mm-hmm. Um and the and the US ending it cuts off to the credits right after um Sarah screams after she sees Juno. So we don't see her back in the cave. It just ends. For the lot for years, for years. That's what I thought the original ending was until I read some more and I'm like, oh this was not the you they know lied what? to us. The first time I saw the movie, that's how it ended. And I was like, eh, meh. And then I think I was watching it randomly. Like, I found a torrent or something online. And I was watching it again. And then I saw that ending, and it blew my mind. Yeah. that I my uh, The first time I saw it was from a torrent, and I had the British version. Ah, uh, y'all are was, so, y'all are spoiled, yo. And then I saw the, the, the American version, and I was like, this doesn't even make sense. No. Right? It was so rude. It was so rude. They did us. They did us wrong. They did us so wrong. And I just feel like it just does a uh, too depressing. Come on. If that's how he wrote it, come on. So what? Test audiences like, will mess up a film. Okay. Yeah. That's what happened to the Stepford Wives. Which I still haven't seen. Uh, the original I've seen, but I have not seen this new one with uh, that one from 05 or whatever with uh, Nicole Kidman. Yeah. But yeah, I think that they should have retained the ending everywhere. Because it, it just, seeing how the movie is supposed to end, it just, it, it makes it hit that much harder for me. Because it, it's just, and especially if there was never a sequel, because it's just like, that's it. And that does suck. That is depressing. But I think that really just has the movie lay with you in this way where it sticks with you because it's just like damn Sarah really went through all that and still didn't make it out yeah it's, and all- it's funny because I, I love movies that end like that either in like that in in a more realistic ending or end in a oh wait I don't know what the fuck just happened mm-hmm. uh, can you wait I'm confused now I have to make up my own mind about what happened oh my god I need the context clues Mm-hmm. I love those types of ending, you know, because they allow us to kind of create our own world and then have these thousands of hours long conversations about what we think happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I mean, I, it blows my mind when I meet people that don't like movies as much as like we do. Mm-hmm. Because I forget sometimes that because of the bubble that I've created for myself, that there are people that don't 
watch movies like that. They want a Fred Astaire. I, I lost the girl. I found the girl. Thank you so much. Goodbye. And that's it. You know what I mean? Like they want a encapsulated yeah. experience that they don't have to yeah. think about after that. I mean, I'm one of those people who I actually, if it's especially, or they want, good, or they want Amityville Horror in space. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen? I'm so sorry to cut you off, Jared, but but when Mel said that, it reminded me of this this movie that I was so invested in that it's so ass. There's a movie about a haunted house underwater. Oh my god! Oh my. Your every face. everybody everybody fired themselves. Everybody goes straight to hell. I was so mad. I was so mad. It was terrible. It was fucking awful. It was so bad. Because in my mind, I'm like, okay, so what's going to happen is they're going to go into the haunted house, right? Underwater. And they're actually not going to stay underwater because why would you do that? You limit yourself and you're only able to do but so much because of the water, right? Okay. So you're going to make it be some weird thing where, oh, look, we're in the house, but there's no water in the house. What? But they didn't do that. That's, and that's, was- that's what I thought. I thought it was going to be like uh, the ship from Jolly Roger Bay and Super Mario 64 where once you get in there... The water is yeah. going to drain itself out somehow, and you're going to be in the house. But that didn't happen. And I'm like, okay, this is fine. But the thing with that, and it's called The Deep House. Yeah, it's on it's, Netflix. The movie, it was so terrible because nothing fucking happened. Wow. It just, it just, it was, and it had so much, like that, that, um, like the plot line, like the synopsis, there is so much potential yes. there is so much they could have done and it just it i was so mad i was so yeah. mad that is like yeah. 80 minutes of my life i am never going to get back yeah and, and and they have like that's why i love uh horror movies like like the descent so much it's because you put people in a situation where you control their world you control every aspect of the world you control all of it yeah. and then you slowly start taking things that they need away and you just watch everything crumble. Yep. We are literally people who love riding by and being stuck in traffic. And, oh, it was an accident. And as opposed to just driving and paying attention to what we do, we look at the car wreck. We love seeing Should these tragedies, these horror shows. And so just, keep just do it. Pavements. Oh, love that song. Because he's talking about car rashes and watching it. And that was a music video premise, you know. Um, but... Yeah, it just and and with with these like endings, I I I appreciate if it's done very well. I appreciate a good cliffhanger. I love a I love a good cliffhanger. I grew up on I grew up on them because um, I grew up reading Goosebumps, where R.L. Stein wrote the books with each chapter ending in a cliffhanger, where you just had to keep reading. And his books yeah. often did the same. Did the same. Uh, the ending of his books often also did the same thing, like Night Eleven Dummy Two. What? Mm-hmm. Where's Where's Dennis? Like iconic and like uh Um. And and with with the descent, I think that would have been really good to kind of let us. It 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 is dark. It is depressing, but it does leave us wondering. It does kind of give us our own. It does leave it open for interpretation. Like, does she get out? Does she? And then when the sequel came. It did say that she got out, so we got that. But it just would have been nice to be left with, you know, wondering what happened. And then the cave did the same thing because even though 
even though that movie what could have been a lot better than it was that ending was actually very clutch um where she's just like i think it wanted to get out and it's revealed that she has the same like she started she has the same her eyes that was so stupid it that was dumb that was dumb I was so hot. Like, don't don't get me started on the case. That shit was stupid to me. <laughs> and he lost her in the crowd. That was dumb. And, and never saw her again. And um, um, I think a lot of people wanted like context like that after that movie. My sister did. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just I just love a I just love a good ending, whether it is like you said, in incapacitated and like wraps everything up with a bow, or if it's open ended, like suspense filled. Like I just I love I just love a good ending, even if it is not the ending that say we really wanted. Or but if I I just think as long as it's you know if it's done well and if it ends the story in a way that, um, you know, speaks with convention, con, con, wow. Conviction. conviction. Yes. Sorry. Conviction. Conviction. <laughs> See, now you're having me question my, you're having me question my life. Um, and it's, and essentially if it's what the, what the writer and director originally wanted, I don't, I really don't see a problem with it. I just, I, I just can't believe like they really cut off like um, what an additional minute and 30 seconds because American audience is like, Oh, Oh, I can't take it. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how well the movie did. But I didn't hear anything about it when I downloaded it. So I'm like, I don't think it made that much difference. You know what I'm saying? And with that small of a budget, I'm pretty sure they probably didn't do that much in advertisement, you know? So I would much rather make, you know, something that is going to stand the test of time, like they did with the first one, rather, you know, sacrifice it just for, you know, Okay, we're talking about businesses here. Never mind. I'll shut That's what I was gonna say. I wonder if because if it was an indie <laughs> film, right, and then they they sold it, I wonder if a part of selling it was giving up mm-hmm. final cut. Yeah. Oh was, no! So if the studio bought it and was like, "We get final cut," that's probably why that minute and thirty seconds got cut off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then at that point, they don't have to tell the filmmakers we're cutting this because they own it. Yeah. Damn, that sucks. Yeah. Capitalism. Poor Juno. I guess one of the last things I want to talk about if if we were going to kind of almost end it was the friendship between the women. I just, I love the scenes where they're all like in the cabin and um, like Sarah's getting introduced to everybody. What what about it? Also, right, right. Friendship. Yeah. Good, good thematic element there. But is. Okay, we all know that Juno is a bad friend because she slept with this man's husband, right? Slept with does this woman's husband. Does that make you a bad friend or does it make you a worse friend? It makes you a bad friend. Because what if the friend uh, shouts out to, uh, I think it was more, uh, whoever the lady comedian was, who was like, um, I slept with your friend for you. He said if he ain't good enough, he was going to leave you. So what if it was a situation like that? Maybe she was... And how do we know that it didn't have a one-sided open relationship? We don't know. You just said a one-sided and open relationship. What is this together. logic? <laughs> I just say she was a Mickey. Uh, <laughs> she, she she was a uh, she was a um, 
Uh, let's just say fair-weather friend. Cool. But that's okay. Well, so we a fair-weather friend because we slept with the husband. Does that not make you, though, an all-seasons friend because I didn't tell you after your husband died? That secret just died with him. That's, that's That would be selfish. Right. Why am I going to tell you? Why would I why ruin I your life you? twice? Exactly. Grieve your husband exactly. and believe that he loved you. I'm not going to tell yeah. you that he was all up in my business. Exactly. We both loved you dearly. Look at your face. Even when we Look at your face. <laughs> if this isn't some of the most asinine gaslighting I have heard in my life, you slept with my man and you going to tell me y'all were doing me a favor because you love me? Get out, Get out of my house. Get the fuck out. You were busy. Dead now. Get the strap. Get the strap. But it's like not only is your husband dead, your kid is dead, and I'm your friend. I have to be there for you. I can't exactly. I can't tell you I betrayed you in this moment. But that's the thing. That's the thing. But that's the thing though. Juno really wasn't there for Sarah. Did you see at the beginning of the movie where um Sarah comes out of her hallucination and Beth tells her, like in the hospital, that um Jessica's gone, like her daughter's gone, and Juno is there, like, crying, too, but, like, walks away because she just can't take it. And then when they're, when Beth and um, Sarah are driving to the cabin, they're having a conversation about how, um, like, you know, Sarah, like, we don't have to do this. We can actually go back to town and, you know, just have, a, have our own little party there. But Sarah's, like... Um, but Juno came out to Scotland last year and Beth is like, but she left almost immediately afterwards and she left because of guilt. Like she just couldn't, she, she couldn't take it. She left because the man she loved died. Yeah. And she didn't have no batteries. Oh, L B. Oh my God. Mel. I am calling security. Oh my God. He said, he said the man was dead and her rose was also dead. I can't take this. I can't. I mean, that I took it as they had more of a emotional connection to each other. And so she couldn't bear uh, the thought of trying to support her while going through it. So she left. So I, uh, I, I love that as like a little subtle thing that they kind of just dropped in mm-hmm. there. Uh, um, that's a unique perspective too, because Juno did say we all lost something in that crash. Mm-hmm. And and that's exactly where I picked it up when she said, we all lost some. I was like, wait, the baby won't yours. <laughs> oh. But that also laid the foundation for her character trait. Cause that's why I wasn't surprised that she switched the, the that we switched the cave, that we left the map that we didn't tell anybody anything because it's already been set up that you keep secrets and you keep them well. Yep, very well. You don't teach a man how to drive, but you keep them secrets very well. Wow. He needs some milk. Oh my God. Because he was not looking at the road. He drifted right over. For like 40 seconds. (laughs) It was a a long... And who was the other guy? Why did he blow the horn? Like, Did he not not feel the car drifting? Yeah. I think it was a curve. I think it was like a curve where like he was driving straight and then the road did something uh, weird. 
because I was looking at that and I was like, oh, this this is actually pretty cool. And what a final what a Final Destination two s death that was. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So Brad, that's that's the thing about this movie. It get it gets so almost like with an instant. It gets so like brutal, like the way the, the way Holly got done. These deaths were a surprise. Super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were um, um, not Sarah. Um, Sam getting her throat literally ripped out. Yeah. Like, can we talk about that? Can we talk about that? She okay. So <laughs> she looks up, sees the monster, grabs a knife, doesn't hold the knife in her hand, puts the knife in her mouth, and then the monster comes to attack her. She doesn't take the knife out of her mouth to stab the monster until after she gets her throat cut. It was weird. She, I will give it. I, I will give it to a lot of the girls in this movie. They were fighters, and I adore that because Mel. I was. I don't know what week we were talking about. I think this is maybe in at the end of last season where I was saying I. I hate how or recently, but I. I don't like when there's like all this defenselessness going on in horror movies where it's just like, girl, fight back, do something. And they were, and they actually fought back. Like uh, Juno fought back. Sarah fought back. Sam fought back. Even though it was like a stab, she still did that shit. Um, and I just really appreciated how the, it seemed like the, the cave, it really had to bring that, that primal, um, force energy out of them in order for them to survive and yeah it every it was just so Maybe many if she would have been baptized in the blood she wouldn't she wouldn't have put the knife in her, in her mouth huh you know, i think she was just when sarah was baptized she became rambo i was saying Maybe if homegirl had got to the end to the point where she was like coming out of the blood she would have known not to put the knife in her mouth oh true true it, is it? It's funny because right when uh, Jared said the cave, I started thinking about the movie The Cave, and I was like, "Oh no, wait!" We talked about the descent, and it kind of was interesting because if you think about it, they all went on a kind of descent character arc as well. Yeah. Like each one of them kind of went down, yeah, um, into the trueness of who they were, whether it be good or bad. Yeah, I thought that was actually kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, thing that writers did as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, the layers to this film. I love it. I love it so much. Um, I think the last couple of things I wanted to say was just, um, again, when it comes back to the the suspense aspect of the film, I just, again, like the energy, how they build it up, how the creatures will be um, in in the shots, but you won't exactly see them until they move or until the, the camera is directly on them, but they're there. Like that scene where um, in the in the blood pool, or whatever when sarah um like rises up and it's just her head and and she's like Mm -hmm. moving this way trying to get out the the female crawler is actually in the in the blood pool at the same time Mm -hmm. but they're they're like at an angle and they're standing very very still to where they almost blend into like the background Mm -hmm. and then and when and it's when they move that's when your attention is diverted to them because if they you just the way that the makeup and everything, and but also the actors, the the creatures are designed to like blend into their environments. Because originally the um, their design was to have their skin be like alabaster white, like pure white. Mm-hmm. But they thought it was be better if it was a little drabby, like dirty. And that one mm-hmm. shot where it's Sam and Becca uh, going through the caves with the with the green um, 
glow stick mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the creature is and the way the creatures were stalking them in complete mm-hmm. silence and it was just on the ceiling again like very alien-esque mill like yeah. you said yeah like so yeah the, the way that the creatures were like on their sticks or whatever the whole time and didn't reveal themselves until like the the ex- like the perfect moment because again that jump scare was just so iconic like screaming for help and the camera's going this way and this way and then boom and it wasn't even a found footage film but that the way they were able to kind of use like tap into that trope very quickly was so effective to me but and i i appreciate sam mccurdy he's the dp on this film yes cheer him yes because you can tell that he really understands the the frame and what you can and can't do inside of it, right? And how to build a world in all of these moments. Because to, like the, just the scene that you were just talking about, to get all of that and add all of those separate layers and, and dimensions in that space. And it's so, so, it's not even like a lot of space. We're in, like we're in fake blood up to here and we've got all this stuff happening all at the same time. And the camera is moving and pulling back and following all of these different things. Like it's, I think that it's it, this film is a very, very good example of of fantastic visual storytelling. Like on top of the writing, the way that he was able to make this come to life is so good, and it's consistently good the entire way through. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Ah, we love consistency. <laughs> okay, I think that was. Um... I feel like that was all my notes. Um, it's just interesting to know that y'all support adultery. I just, I never knew. I never oh, knew. I don't support it. It saves a life, you know, if, if it happens, you know. It's how a lot of us got here. But, wow. You know, <laughs> And on that note, that was um, this episode of Scary Crit. Um, final curls, Mel. I don't. I don't have anything. Oh, I found out the other day that CODA stands for Child of a Deaf, Deaf Adult. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. The more you know. Well, somebody said CODA was the Green Book for Deaf people. So. You know, I thought you were saying death the whole time <laughs> until I googled it, and then I was like. <laughs> Oh, now I feel like an asshole because I was like, that's a dumbass title, a dumbass thing to talk about. Kids who had dead parents, this like eventually going to happen to all of us. <laughs> and then I realized you were saying deaf, and then I just felt like real awful. Um, but um, LB, tell the people where they can find you and maybe what you have going on in your neck of the woods. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Instagram at lyrically blessed seven, which is brand new. <laughs> you just, yeah, just did that like I a week ago. <laughs> a week ago. Um, so I pretty much am an original hipster who's like just don't like what everybody else likes. Life is like a oh, box like, of chocolates, LB. <laughs> it's like a box. Of I like vanilla, <laughs> and that's why I like vanilla because we were in class and everybody was like, "Yeah," the teacher was like, "Who likes chocolate?" And I was like. Too many of you motherfuckers like chocolate. I like vanilla now. No, this is not gonna happen. Such a so, contrarian. Yes, that is exactly who I am. Um, LBC. Yes. <laughs> Other than that, I have a, a little a little book coming out in a little bit, but that's, you know, do you have you know, a book? No, I don't. I will have a book. <laughs> you want to see it? You want to see it? You want to see I it? Do. Y'all must have been fun in class together. Ooh. 
uh, I was editing it while while I was waiting on, on Mel to message me. But I um, love the cover. That's Gemini did uh, that, yeah. Yep, yep. That is Gemini. That is their work. Look at uh, you! It, You're a holy dog! Oh my god! <laughs> I refuse to grow up. No, don't you do that to me. No, I'm not growing when up. When is the book available? Right. Um, it will be available. I think May seventh. I think it's when we do my release date. Uh, but I am accepting pre-release uh, orders, and it will be available uh, for preferred purchase through Lulu.com. But, you know, you can find it pretty much on Amazon or uh, other web sources. But, okay, um, I didn't have anything else. What about you, Mel? No. Okay, well, LB. I'm going to have an announcement with- soon because all the movies that I've been working on are, like, in editing now. So. Mel has been busy, y'all. We love that. The, we love work, that. the film that I was working yes. on this past weekend looks so dope. It's so dope. So shouts out to the crew that I was working with. Y'all are amazing. I wanted to give a special um, thank you and shout out to Paul Rogers, who was the editor for Everything Everywhere All at Once. I just, like, I don't think we give enough thanks or shout outs to people like editors, like, you know, who are who are in, like, the rooms by themselves burning the midnight oil putting these things together like how like really dictating how we're going to see um or what we're going to see on the screen how it's going to play out and um once you see everything everywhere all at once you'll see what i mean when i say what a feat that was so paul i hope that you will stay um forever employed until your retirement and forever paid and that you just know how appreciated you are because you did that shit. Like this film is crazy. And just the editing on it was, whoa, but now I'm officially done. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you. LB or thank LBC you, <laughs> for coming. You have been so hilarious. I am such a fan already. I am. I'm going first in line for this comedy tour after the book release. I know it's coming. Um, and we hope to have you back soon. Yes, yes, yes. I wish I could have been for Anaconda because that movie, you could just tear it to shreds. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, like, Um, it was so dry. The snake. The snake was so dry. I'm still so confused. (laughs) The snake was on fire. And I'm like, do you not have enough self-awareness to just, like, dunk? I don't... I would... Yeah, yeah. Before we even get there, why are they letting this man drive the boat? Didn't he have, like, four accidents... Like before they even got to like where the little first of all, okay, never mind. Let's see, almost got us started, y'all. Um, but thank you guys for listening to another episode. This has been Scary Crit, and we will see you next week. Later on, podcast people. Bye, Z's. <laughs> <laughs>